shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. It is Thursday, February 22nd, 2024, and this is the Carlos Whitaker Podcast. Welcome to episode eight of the Carlos Whitaker Podcast. And okay, I didn't give uh, this attempt at new theme music its due last week, but I, I listened and I, I know the majority of you don't even care. But theme music or intro music for me on a podcast is uh, is very important. It sets the mood. It sets the theme. And I wanted to grow up from Human Hope. And I think what I did is I went from, you know, Human Hope was maybe in its millennial stage straight into baby boomer stage. So what I've done is I tried to back up into like early Gen X stage. That's what that's what this this theme music is this is dr delight uh we got dr delight on here again we uh we left you dr delight for a moment um i can't even remember what the name of this track is let me try to find it here good people uh it's called lion fool y'all the lion fool if you think i was going to not listen to you so carlos whitaker podcast listeners this is for you so many of you were like yeah I, it just the last one it just felt a little too npr-ish so what th- I feel like what this does is it gives us a little bit of funk, but like a grown-up funk, right? Like I don't have to be like spritzy and happy all the time. It's just like, it is what it is. So thank you, Doctor Delight, uh, for giving us our our new theme music. Um, oh, hold on. Oh, can we can we appreciate this moment? Um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, drop the beat now. Oh, oh, okay. See, I told you. It's moving me. <clears throat> it is moving me. Welcome, friends, to a not live on Instagram recording of the Human Hope. Excuse me, the Carlos Whitaker podcast. I said Human Hope, and now I'm trying to go back. No, we're going forward, baby. 
We're going forward. Uh, today's episode, we're going to lean into a conversation that I've been wanting to have for a long time. I've been wanting to have this conversation because I think it's important. I think it's important for um, the not only the Carlos Whitaker podcast listeners, but for myself. Um, it, it has been hundreds of days since um, October 7th and when all eyes on the planet suddenly turn towards um, our neighbors in the Middle East. And there has been, I would say, uh, in those months, not a lot of uh, intentional seeking of clarity um, in, the, in the situation. And, you know, it, this is people care a whole lot about what's happening there um, as they should. And what I have been doing myself is leaning into um, some conversations with some friends that either live there, um, work there, um, but mostly friends that are um, in the mindset of peace. And I, I'll be honest with you, like I'm like I, I don't can, can peace ever even happen? And so today we'll, we'll um, lean into one part of this conversation. Uh, with Todd Dethridge. Now, Todd is the founder of the Telos Group, which is an organization that they are, they're peacemakers and their entire goal, actually, if I go to the website right now, um, their, their entire goal, let's see, we form communities of American peacemakers across the lines of difference and equip them to help reconcile seemingly intractable conflicts at home and abroad. Oh, I mean, that, if that's not... Um, a clarifying mission statement. I don't know what is. Um, their vision says, grounded in a vision of mutual flourishing, we envision a world in which leaders and their communities claim the requisite drive, expertise, and relationships to effectively and relentlessly wage peace. In the Holy Land, we envision a time beyond the Israeli-Palestinian conflict when diverse communities of American peacemakers will stand with both Palestinians and Israelis to, to sustain dignity, freedom, and security for all. We imagine, too, that our unique model of conflict transformation will be replicated elsewhere, helping bring stability, healing, and reconciliation to communities around the world, including here in America. So, you know, as we hear this conversation, as you lean into this conversation with Todd, I, I not only want you to think of the um, Palestinian-Israeli conflict, I want you to think about the conflict in your own community. I want you to think about the conflict in your own workplace. I want you to think about how a lot of these principles that Todd is going to lean into are going to um, to help us in every um, area of um, conflict in our lives. So we're going to do that. Uh, but before we hop into that conversation, uh, I want everybody to know how important it is. There's, there's something that I'm going to ask everyone to do. Every single one of you, all thousands of you listening to this podcast, if you would please go to the show notes and click on the link to the listener survey. I am, I'm trying with everything I can to make sure that I mold this um, podcast for you. And so we've created a survey that is not only going to help me um, know what you need, but it's going to help me know who you are. And so if you wouldn't mind, I would love, love, love for you to fill out that survey. It is in the show notes. You can do that right now. Um, that, I would really appreciate it. So uh, 
Okay, friends, without further ado, I would love for us to get into uh, this conversation with my new friend uh, and your new friend, Todd Dethridge. Okay, Carlos Whitaker podcast friends and family. I am sitting uh, in a virtual space with um, Todd Dethridge. Todd, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. You know the um, the the first thing I said to you when we hopped on uh, our little video chat here is. Todd, thanks for uh, hopping into a conversation that I've been avoiding uh, for a long time. <laughs> and what was your response when yes. you said that? Yeah, welcome to my world. <laughs> you've been you've probably been avoiding it for a long for a long time for a very good reason. Sure. This is a really difficult and controversial topic. My wife always says if you if you want to lose friends or just make for some really awkward dinner party conversations, just you know uh, hang out with me. That can end up uh, I'm, I'm creating some challenge in your life. You come to all my dinner conversations and just make it <laughs> awkward for everybody. You know, it, I mean, let's just start here. Um, um, you know, I've kind of already done a little intro to what it is you do and the Telos group. And um, I, I guess, w why would you say um, this is a hard conversation to have? And why is it so awkward for people to talk about it? I mean, I think awkward would be the um, the, the safe way to say it. But what, what, it, what is it about this conversation that makes people sprint left and right? You know, people just care a lot. Mm. It's, uh, I mean, our two main issues at Telos that we focus on are America's relationship to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and our relationship to our own history and story of racial injustice in America. And, and so both of those are really sensitive topics mm. and they're things that people have that, that tap into something deeply personal in us and often when we engage them. So in, in Israel-Palestine, we're talking about uh, these, this modern nation state of Israel, the, uh, the occupied Palestinian territories, the, but we're also talking about the Holy Land. We're talking yeah. about the land of the Bible. We're talking about a, a place that's very resonant to Jews, Christians, and Muslims around the world. Um, and we're talking about a conflict that's gone on in that place for decades now, not millennia, not mm -hmm. even centuries, but for, for many decades now. Yeah. And in, in, in the longer that has gone on, the more we have, uh, had people from the outside who care about it create activism in places like the United States yeah. that mirror the conflict itself, that we kind of enroll more partisans on one side versus the other. And so all of that, you know, all of the ways that we care about it, the ways that it's resonant to us for in our in our faith or our religious identity um, also creates this complicating way that you can't even really talk about it, especially yeah. in a moment like this. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, that, I, I think that's good. You've really laid uh, I think lay, laid it laid it out in a in a way that many people, um, including myself, um, I, I think up until October 7th um, may may have have a large majority of I would say people that I know would be like, oh, yeah, th you know, there's conflict in the Middle East. It, it was very Middle East, right? Like it was, it was very um, generic in the way people understood uh, what was happening. And, you know, I think, I think Christ followers, myself uh, included, you know, I've visited Israel before. I have, I have, I've had a very um, special, I, I had a special moment. Obviously you walked the places that Jesus walked you, you know, all of these things. And so I think there's some um, space for me that I was always like, well, yeah, like Israel is where, um, especially I grew up in evangelical America. That's where you know, Jesus walked. That's where a lot of the Bible was, was from. And so 
there's this emotional connection to uh, to a land as a as a evangelical. I think um, American looks from from far away, and so I think from far away it was always, hey, look, like there's stuff happening over there. Um, Israel is where a lot of the Bible is based in, but I don't really understand it. And then suddenly October seventh, whack. And we are hit with, I think, the humanity of horror of, of what we started seeing on our phones, right? Everyone starts seeing things on their phones. And then he, here's where I'll just go ahead and accelerate where my lack of conversation in it went. It was like, wow, like that, that, this is horrible what I see. But suddenly I, I also see the humanity of, of, people that are being responded to and children in the middle of a war zone and things that are happening. Suddenly I'm like, wait a second, I can't say anything because I feel horrible for every human that is having to deal with this situation. Can you walk me through these feelings? Not that you're my psychologist, but walk me through these feelings that I think a lot of people are feeling the, the, the humanity of, again, I don't want to say both sides, but the humanity of every human that's suffering right now. And people just don't know how to communicate that without being like, oh, they're not choosing a side. Yeah. I think that's what, what you've, what you're really suggesting is something really important for us all to, um, to get ourselves to a place where when something like this happens, we can actually see the humanity of everyone that we don't just cast it in some kind of, um, you know, larger ideological story or project, um, that we've bought into, but we really can understand and appreciate that real human beings mm. are, you know, are, are in the middle of this and real human lives are being destroyed. Um, and at a minimum, you know, Jesus taught us to, to mourn with those who mourn yeah. and, um, and our, our faith com commends us to do that. And so at Telos, we have for 15 years now, we're actually 15 years old this month. It's wow. our anniversary of doing this work. And Greg Khalil and I came together to found Telos 15 years ago, having already had our own connections to it. Greg okay. is a Palestinian American with a lot of family, um, in Bethlehem. Um, and I am, uh, in, in, from the evangelical world, from the more conservative side of that in many ways, involved yeah. in Republican politics for a long time and, um, had my own kind of connection to this story that I, that is, you know, growing up and involved in politics. Uh, and, but we came together with a set of relationships on both sides of this, um, Israelis and Palestinians. And we have run a program that has connected people into a set of experiences with Palestinians and Israelis throughout the land. Um, and we've hired, you know, we've had that program that's run, been run by local uh, Palestinian and uh, Jewish Israeli staff through the years. And so we have lived in that web of relationships for a long time. And, and we've always argued for a more just, safe, and secure mm. reality for everybody there, one that supports the human dignity, security, and freedom for Israelis and Palestinians in equal measure throughout yeah. the land. And so we've, you know, we've, we've spoken out against um, occupation and systems of control and blockade, and we've spoken out against uh, extremism in all its forms that calls for the use of violence against uh, civilian populations. You know, we've, we've done all that forever, and we've, but we've had this vision for a future in which 
um, in what we call mutual flourishing. And yeah. We're just really rooted in this idea. There's no good future for one people in the land without a good future for the other. And it wow. works in both directions. And now, in the, after October 7th and everything that's happened and that's continuing to happen right now in real time as people are still dying in the Gaza Strip even yeah. today – uh, it's a shared grief as much. It, it's hard to cast a shared vision in a moment like this. And so we're, we're, for the moment, we're left with a shared grief. And yet we're out of that. We are acting, trying to act in ways that honor the, the human dignity of everyone, the sacredness of human life. Um, and the, and really appreciating the limits of violence in all its forms mm. to achieve a more just world. Mm. Um, and again, violence in all its forms. And that's the direct violence that's of armies. It's the violence of, of terrorism. It's the violence of occupation. Uh, anything that diminishes and minimizes human life and agency, uh, and dignity is its own form of violence. And so c- sort of calling out all those things as the way we got into this. Yeah. Not the way we get out of it is really been the work we've been doing now, calling for a, a ceasefire, for a negotiated um, release of hostages, for all the things that would give us some opportunity to to reset and rebuild something. Stop the stop the killing, stop the horror, stop the violence, um, and end end all these systems of control that have helped us get us to where we are today. You know, when I started podcasting, an online store was literally the farthest thing from my mind. Uh, when I started Instagramming, when I started doing all the things. And then I, I remember saying something to my Instagram audience and my podcast audience. It was a statement, a phrase that everyone's like, I want that on a shirt. And I didn't know how to do that. And I was solo. I didn't have Whitney from Wisconsin, my assistant. I didn't have my management team. It was just me. And I was like, how can I do this? And guess how I did it? I did it with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, right? So from it, from your launch, your online shop phase, which is what I did a couple years ago, uh, to, I don't know, maybe you've got like a brick and mortar store. Shopify can even help with that. Shopify helps you turn browsers on their phones into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Okay. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. That's mind blowing because one thing that is true is businesses that grow here in the U S grow with Shopify. So this is what I want you to do. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Carlos. All lowercase, please. Go to shopify.com slash Carlos now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Carlos. Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day? Now, that's a whole other podcast I need to do about get outside. But the truth is we're inside most of the time. The indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air. And in some cases, up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So 
What's the solution? The solution is Air Doctor. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants that your lungs don't need inside of them. This includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust, mites, mold, spores, and even bacteria. So listen, the Whitaker family has an Air Doctor humming quietly in the corner of their living room right now. We love our Air Doctor and Here's an offer for you, Carlos Whitaker Podcast listeners. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. So this is what I need you to do. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code HUMANHOPE. You'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers exclusive to podcast customers. You will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit which is an additional $84 value. Lock in the special offer. Lock in this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code human hope. How does the Telos group um, you know, what what is what are the ways that you and your organization um, feel like you, is it, is it education? Is it um, helping more people understand the history of the conflict? Like what, what are the tactical ways that you are uh, trying to have this happen? Yeah. Our, our work for the last, you know, many years has really been the work of building communities of peacemakers okay. to create a more just world. And so we have, we have really known for a long time that giving people experiences is the way to open them up to the transformational journey to help them become peacemakers. Uh -huh. Um, the, the facts in a case like this really matter. The history yeah. of Israel, Palestine, matters a lot. The details are important, but people are not generally open to the facts <laughs> until they've had an experience, right? Sure. So we choose, we choose the facts that support our, the, what we, what we think about something Absolutely. often. Um, and we almost are never argued into a new position on something we care about. You know, right. I, this does, that rarely happens, but we do change our mind. Um, but our mind changes usually when our heart changes and our heart changes when we've had a relationship with someone we've had an experience somewhere a, maybe a story a song okay. yeah um, you know those are the things that open us up to transformation and so we've been for many years taking people on these unique experiences to israel palestine giving them a set of experiences and connections and relationships across the spectrum there with palestinians and israelis in various parts of the land uh, from various perspectives and then teaching them about the principles and practices of peacemaking which is okay. the pedagogical frame that we use that, that to influence all of our programming, but whether it's in um, Israel-Palestine or here in the United States or in other parts where we we're, the world where we're starting to do some work. Well, and can you tell us what that framework looks like? Yeah. I mean, there are six principles okay. of peacemaking and six practices, and they're all available on our website, telosgroup.org. Um, and you can, you can really see the, you know, the sort of the, the fuller explanation of each of those. I mean, we could do a whole podcast episode on just sure. those principles and practices. Yeah. And we do that. We do teachings and trainings and workshops for, uh, for, for churches, for corporations, for nonprofits, for, uh, we've done it, uh, you know, for even for government agencies, we've yeah. done, we've done these trainings a lot over time, um, uh, and, and particularly more recently. Uh, but it starts, you know, the first, the first principle of peacemaking is that change is possible. Okay. We don't live in a deterministic universe. Um, the world is always changing and we each play our own part 
in bringing change in the world. And then we have to decide what kind of change do we want to bring? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's our, what are our obligations? What are our opportunities? What, how are we going to leave the world in a better and different place than, than when we found, than we got here? Yeah. Um, and so change is possible. Transformation, um, is, is, you know, can, it can and does happen. It doesn't always happen for the better. Change sometimes sure. happens for the worse. <laughs> but so it's, we have agency though, and it's our responsibility to, to live into that. But it's just starting with the acknowledgement that of growth, that, that change yeah. is possible. Um, but we have other principles about the importance of justice that, you know, peace and justice are intertwined. Dr. Yeah. Martin Luther King taught us that peace is not the absence of tension. It's not just every, everybody being quiet, but it's the presence of justice. And when we pursue a more just world, when we, when we tackle injustice in the world, we're helping to create space for the opportunity for peace or shalom to exist in the world. Yeah. So that's a principle of peacemaking. Uh, relate, the, the importance of relationship is a principle of peacemaking. So we could go through all of those, but sure. there's, there's six of them. There are also six practices that just okay. the, the, the way we get, the, we can live these out in the world, just learning to listen, to understand, yeah. taking the world as it is, not as we want it to be, and listening to points of view we disagree with as a yeah. means to both create better our own understanding and also to humanize people uh, who we see as an enemy or see on the other side of the divide from us, yeah. and and in creating spaces in which differences can be externalized. So if you're listening to, if I, if I have a strong view and you have a strong view, but you're listening to me. Just the fact that you're listening to me and asking curious questions, not trying to, not leading questions, trying to get me to go where right. you want me to go, but the, but following questions that you're trying to follow where I'm going. Yeah. In doing that, we may not solve our difference, but what we do is uh, I, we create a space in which our difference can become externalized because if I feel heard, yeah. then the difference between us isn't as important anymore sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it can become this external thing that we can sort out. If I don't feel heard, no matter how small the difference between us, I'm going to dig in. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And this works in our interpersonal lives, right? It works yeah. in, in relationships. It works in geopolitics, too, It's and in, in all these things. So that's a first practice. Wow. Um, the a second one is holding experiences in tension, you okay. know, like holding truths in tension. The there's a physicist named Niels Bohr who said that the the opposite of a fact is a falsehood, but the opposite of a profound truth may be another profound truth. Hmm. And sometimes we have to like listen to these experiences that are that other people have had and and learn to hold some things in tension. We don't do that very well. Well, you know, we like things to be very binary, yeah. uh, very neat and clean. Um, and yet sometimes we actually have to hold two different kind of con- contradictory truths in tension wow. as a way to understand something more fully. Um, wow. So, and again, I could go on with all of these because yeah. there's, there's a full 12 of them, but, um, but I would encourage people to, con- if you're interested in this, to check out our website um and engage with them there and and see how they see how they make sense in your own life yeah i I mean well all of these things you know everything that you're stating i'm thinking is wow i mean this is just stuff we need to teach our kids about life in general you know like like all of these things will you know i think help promote peacemaking in every facet of your life at your at your business at you know with employees you know just disagreements in general um something specific to this uh conflict is that I do feel like people have a hard time um, getting to the place where uh, where they understand that two things can be true at the same time that that they're and I I just feel like that's so hard for people to actually say it's like no like you are either pro-Israel or you're pro-Palestine there can't you can't be pro-both 
So can you can you walk us through where, yeah. where people may be having a hard time because all they hear is no, I've got to choose a side. Is is it possible to be both pro Palestine and pro Israel? Yeah, I mean, in in some ways, I don't think you can be anything else. If you really do want anybody in that world to flourish, yeah. you can't be you can't it can't be that zero sum. Mm. The zero sum approach is what keeps us trapped, and that's not it's not the same thing as both sideism, which uh-huh. you know comes under a lot of fire these days. It's not to say that everything's equal. There's yep. one of the big challenges of this conflict, like so many of these kinds of conflicts, is there's a great asymmetry. Yeah, um, there's a great difference in power and, and so forth that has to be fully named and understood. And, it, and to some extent, it is about choosing a side, but you're choosing the side of all those people, Israelis and Palestinians, who are committed to doing the work of making their reality more just and yeah. whole and safe and secure for everyone. Uh-huh. And that's the side you're choosing. Mm. Um, and so you, there is a side you're picking, but it's not the neat and clean side um, of one ethnic group or one national group or one religious group has everything right and the other has everything wrong. And it's right. not that line. The, mm. the Soviet dissident Alexander mm. Solzhenitsyn famously said, you know, the line between good and evil is not, it's not a national or board it's it runs through every human heart yeah and we and all of us have the capacity as you know to reflect good in the world we're all made in the image of god and we can reflect goodness we can we can love our children and our neighbors and our spouses sacrificially and we can do good things in the world and we all have the ability to do really bad and self-interested and even violent things under yeah. the right circumstances because we're all sons of adam and daughters of eve in there in in whatever way you want to interpret that but the but the point is that that there's a side but it's it's the side of those who are trying to do good things. Mm. But at the same time, one of the principles of peacemaking is that we are working toward building what Dr. King called the beloved community. This is, okay. again, what we call mutual flourishing. And we're remembering the interconnectedness of all of this. And so we're not necessarily looking for the defeat of enemies. We're looking for the transformation of enemies. Wow. And we're looking for a world in which even our enemies can flourish, not in the same way, not sure. by using systems of control, not by violence, not by keeping their their foot on our neck. But we're looking for a world in which even our enemies can flourish. And this was the, the genius of Dr. King's uh, work and so many in the American civil rights movement is that it wasn't about replacing Jim Crow with with the with a, the mirror image of that sure. in which, you know, white people are on the underside. It was about a different world world in which white and black people would flourish with equality and justice and equity and all these sorts of things very differently. Um, and so that's part of the work of mutual flourishing. So, but again, back to pro, you know, we described our work from the beginning uh, as pro-Israeli, pro-Palestinian, and pro-peace. And people mm-hmm. either thought that was ridiculous, it was silly, <laughs> it was naive, right. or it was dangerous because we were, you yeah. know, we were not fully committed to one side against the other. But we have been suggesting for a long time that it's that zero-sum kind of thinking that keeps us trapped mm-hmm. and that we have to we have to appreciate the interconnectedness of all human life. Life, as Dr. King has often would often say, yeah. um, and that I can't have the things I want for myself and my children and my family, and 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 not and have them not available for yeah. my neighbor. And yeah. so I have to be willing to work for my neighbor's flourishing because my neighbor's flourishing is connected to my own. Yeah. Um, so there is no zero sum into sure. this conflict. It doesn't look like a horror, a massacre, a genocide, an ethnic cleansing. It's a, it's all the horrors. That that's what uh-huh. zero sum leads us. Right. Otherwise, we've got to find a way to allow for mutuality, 
equity, justice, peace, security for everyone in the land in some new arrangement. You know, there's, um, I mean, going back to something that you said, I think that lays the groundwork for everything you just said in the last answer that you gave is, is that change is possible. That, that That's one of the pillars, right? Um, <laughs> you know, I hear that. I think that a lot of people will hear that and think, how, how in the world, Todd, is, is that there is such deep division and there is such deep hatred. I'm talking about hatred that only bombs can produce, right? Like like hatred that is deep-seated into probably DNA. I'm no psychologist, but I mean, we're talking about deep-seated hatred and it does feel impossible. It, it feels like when I read, when I read that, I want to believe that change is possible. Can you, can you maybe, you know, not, not, you've done this work for 15 years, probably more than that, longer than that. Uh, but as Telos, what, what are ways that you can see peace actually happening in this part of the world? That's such a great question. I mean, one of the things we talk about in this work is that the importance of cultivating um, moral imagination or for, and put it in a theological term, eschatological imagination, okay. Okay. Um, casting a vision for what the, we know what the world is and we, we have to accept it as it is. We don't, we're not Pollyannish about that, but knowing that this is not the way we were meant to live mm -hmm. together and yeah. what does the world look like that is more whole, more, you know, um, and, and more just. And so creating that imagination is always important. And sometimes we look back into history. So you look at a situation like Israel-Palestine right now, and just in the, you know, you've got a, you've got a decades long history of things that both sides have stories and experiences and narratives that are really hard to overcome. And then you have the immediate moment of, you know, more than 1,200 Jewish Israelis were massacred on October 7th. More than 200 were taken uh, hostage. Uh, you've now got a death toll in the Gaza Strip of 25,000 people, including around 10,000 children who've been killed. And uh, and the territory, the, you know, homes and buildings are increasingly rubble. I mean, we've got 80% of the population, uh, 1.8 million people have been displaced from their homes and you've got half the buildings in the in the Gaza Strip that have been either destroyed or bombed in ways that make them uninhabitable. So this is a disaster and you have you have this yeah all this fear and, and it's not just the trauma of the moment both all of this harkens back to deep historic trauma that both people have the Jewish experience not just in the Holocaust, but in centuries of anti-Semitism in Europe and mm -hmm. all that, and the Palestinian experience of being displaced in 1948. Mm -hmm. And this is just a continuation of them of what happened, because in fact, the people in Gaza, uh, almost around 70% of the people who live in the Gaza Strip are either the descendants of, or, or the actual refugees or the descendants of refugees from, they had lived in what became Israel in 1948, and they were displaced into Gaza, and now they've been displaced again. So again, you're awakening the historic trauma so this sounds like a nightmare right right so we have to we have to remember historically some other tragic situations uh, or difficult situations that were overcome wow. because that doesn't always happen but it does and so you know i worked in the state department when condoleezza rice was the secretary of state uh -huh. the first black woman to have that position um and she you know if you look at her life story condoleezza rice is not an old 
woman. She's only in her 60s yeah. right now. Um, and yet she was born in segregated Alabama, mm. uh, in Birmingham. And if you look at her story, she was friends with one of the little girls uh, that was murdered on uh, in the Birmingham church bombing in 1963. And right. there was, you know, there was the, the, the civil rights movement was pressing for for justice and equality and freedom and there was an there's a huge backlash a violent backlash you know they called it bombingham there were so many bombings that took place black churches black businesses anybody involved in the civil rights movement uh, or just a movement for equality um and 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 black self-determination in any way was uh, you know, was a target. And so it was a brutal time and her family left and they moved yeah. off to, you know, to Colorado because, uh, you know, if you read her memoirs to her, her family, it looked like Jim Crow was not going to go. Right. Um, and, and it looked like it was entrenched forever. And she goes off and she studies, um, you know, at the University of Denver, becomes a, you know, fluent in Russian and expert in the Soviet Union. That brings her into the halls of American power. And ultimately, you know, the Reagan administration, she's at the National Security Council, becomes, um, National Security Advisor under, uh, President George W. Bush and then Secretary of State. And in this, in the course of her lifetime, um, these two kind of shaping institutions that were unjust, the Jim Crow in the American South, Soviet communism in uh, in Europe um, in Russia have they don't exist anymore. Right. We did not solve all those problems, but neither of those exists anymore. Wow. And so it's a reminder that change is possible. Nobody thought apartheid would end in South Africa bloodlessly. Yeah. And yet. It, it did. Wow. Uh, it, you know, and, and it, so many problems still need to be solved. So much wasn't done sure. to create a more equitable reality for, for people in South Africa on the other side of apartheid. But the point is that change does happen and we can't just, we can't allow ourselves to not have the imagination for how the world can change, even in a time like this when it seems so ridiculous to even consider mm. the world being more whole. Yeah. And one of the things that we do in this work is lean into people who have already started on that journey. One okay. of our core partners in the Israeli-Palestinian uh, context is a group known as the Parent Circle. Okay, These are about 600 uh, Israeli and Palestinian families, about half from each side. Okay. And the price of membership in this club is one that no one should ever have to pay. It's that you've lost a direct family member in the conflict. Usually it's a wow. child, um, but it can be a parent or a sibling. Um, and, and you've come together and you've rejected any notion of revenge. Wow. And you have committed yourself to work for reconciliation and making re the work of reconciliation central to a larger peace agreement, mm. a political agreement that would that would change the dynamics of the conflict and create a more fair and equitable future for everyone um, and making the work of reconciliation central to that. And so we have such dear friendships with people wow. who've lost children. Mm. And out of that that horror of that crucible of that pain have come together to be agents of reconciliation in ways that just really blow your mind. Wow. Um, and those folks show us the way and they show us what's possible uh -huh. and they speak jointly. They don't, they almost never speak individually. They always speak one Israeli, one Palestinian side by side. Okay. And to hear two mothers or two fathers sit side by side, people who should be mortal enemies should yeah. hate each other because they're, they're, they're the victim of the other side's brutality in whatever way it came. Yeah. Uh, and to come together and do that is such a beautiful creation of moral imagination. Mm -hmm. And it really inspires us to, you know, to find ways to, to, to follow what, follow their lead. Wow. Wow. And, and is, is that, 
is that group a group that people can find information about online? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can Google them. The Parent Circle. They have an American Friends uh, okay. organization. American Friends of the Parent Circle. Um, so they they do speaking tours. In fact, uh, we'll be hosting two members of the Parent Circle here okay. in Washington next week wow. for some meetings here in D.C. Some public events, some meetings with you know officials and so forth. Um, but they're they're amazing people, and, and I've learned yeah. so much from them. I was having a conversation with somebody in my DMs the other day, and they said, can you tell me again how it is you found Whitney from Wisconsin, your assistant? And I said, yeah, I didn't find her. Indeed found her. That is right. You can find somebody specifically that you need for your organization through Indeed.com. If you need to hire, you do need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 300 and 50 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data. And here's the deal. Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agreed Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love how easy it is to navigate Indeed. Their user interface is so easy. And Indeed is delivering when uh, they deliver way more than I could ever need. And they're only delivering the ones that can match my job specifically. So listeners of the show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash human hope. Just go to indeed.com slash human hope right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash human hope terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise, filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk that growing kids shouldn't be putting in their pie holes or into their bodies. That is why Haya was created. Haya is the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamins. If y'all got growing kids in your household, you need Haya. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies and supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, right? All of those vitamins that your kids need, vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, all of it. It's also non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, and allergy-free. So if you got kids that can't eat that stuff, this is the vitamin for them. We get highest sent to our house every single month. That is the other beautiful thing, is it will ship directly to you so you don't have to go to the store and get it. And so we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to Haya Health slash. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash Human Hope. This deal is not available on the regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash Human Hope and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. I, I I hear that, and I yeah, I actually just got back four days ago from um, Kigali, Rwanda, and every time I'm there, I I, I see this, and I I almost sense this supernatural. That there has to be almost a you know, and again, I've, I've got a lot of people that follow me that aren't in the same belief system as I do, as I'm in. They they believe different things, they have different faiths, um, but it almost for me is like you know what, this is going to have to. If I, if I, as a follower of Jesus, say that I believe in a true resurrection that happened that supernaturally, um, there's got to be something supernatural inside of us that allows us to begin to imagine 
what you're asking us to imagine, the, the, to Absolutely. begin to imagine those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and this is the moment to, it can be so easy to fall into despair at a time like this. Yeah. Again, as the body count mounts in Gaza and the horror of what's happening there in real time is just unabated and we, and we seem powerless to stop it. And despair is an obvious, is an obvious place to go. And yeah. what we, what we have learned at Telos is that, um, that the opposite of despair is hope and that hope is not the same thing as optimism. It's not a yeah. good feeling about, you know, the world, well, eventually it's all going to turn out. Okay. Um, that's actually not true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, in some eschatological sense, if you want to argue it from a theological perspective, yes, ultimately it's going to all turn out. Okay. Sure. But, but in, but in the, in the, in the constraints of the world we live in, yeah. Optimism is not, it's, it's not very, it's not valid right now. Right. You know, if, if, if you ask me to peg myself on a, on a spectrum between <laughs> pessimism and optimism, I'm not even going to, not even going to answer because it, it feels like the pessimists have all the facts. Sure. Yeah. But if you ask me to peg myself somewhere between hope and despair, wow. I can choose hope because what we've learned from a Palestinian theologian in particular named Mitri Rahab is that hope is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. Hope is what you do. Mm. You live and act in hopeful ways. <laughs> Yeah. And when you do that, when you live in these countercultural ways, you you open up the possibility for change to occur. And so yeah. hope is always fueled by a moral imagination of a world that's not like this. It's not wow. this is not how the world was meant to be. And then we live and act in those ways. So we think that the principles or the practices of peacemaking are the way that we live out hope in the world. And so moments like this. We act. We we, yeah. we advocate. We you know we call our on our government to to call for ceasefire to call to do the work of of hostage release to do all these things that need to be done right now in real yeah. time. And we, we we act in these moments. And I think um, that's the what keeps us from falling into despair. Yeah. is the fact that hope is not this feeling. It's it's the Something way we do. actually respond and live in the world. It's it's what we do. Yeah, no, that that is so good and. Um, hope is something that we do. Okay. And you, I think you gave us, you, you, you began right now to, to give what, what I'm hoping, um, is people that are listening to this right now that are like, okay, okay. I want to hope I want to do like, like what are, what role can Americans or people that are listening to this outside of the region play in advocating for peace? What, what, what are things that, that, that listeners right now can do? You know, obviously again, I've got, you know, what we're seeing on our phone, I think are extreme measures of adv of advocacy that that's what pops up on TikTok, right? It's, it's people that are like ripping down hostage posters in New York. It's people that are, you know, um, do, on both sides of whatever I, you know, idea you or whatever feelings you have on this we're seeing like these extreme i think aggressive um measures that maybe aren't going to produce the result of peace that we're looking for so what are ways that people that feel strongly one way or the other can step in and go okay i can be a helper in in, in calling for peace yeah absolutely i mean i think we are living in a historic moment. We just yeah. have to acknowledge that this is this is actually not 
like all the other things that wow. have happened there in the la- in our lifetime this is a there's a there's a historic nature to what's mm, happening that's good and so we have to res- we have to rise to that moment we have to kind of understand it for what it is and so some of us need to go on a bit of a learning journey we need yeah. to l- really try to understand better that the the again holding experiences and truths and tension the fullness of, yeah. of of both people's stories and connections to that place and how we got here and understanding the full context of, of how we got here and that that's going to require some work um mm. one of the things and i know you've talked about this in your own podcast but one of the things we often talk about is that there are simple truths around something like this mm. but you don't get to them without doing the work why um tr- simplicity on this side of complexity is really worthless as the famous um Oliver Wendell Holmes, Supreme Court Justice, once said, but simplicity wow. on the other side of complexity is of great value. And this wow. is one of those times where we've got to do the work. Mm. And the reason we've got to do the work is that um, we are really involved in this. Americans yeah. play a giant role in this. Our government has fully embraced um, the Israeli government's war effort uh, in in every and basically in every way uh they're starting to have some you know reservations and starting to to publicly call for de-escalation to some extent but they're um but we own this war as americans Uh um and you know israel is the largest recipient of american uh, military assistance in the world uh, year after year uh so there's a lot that we are that we are responsible for there so we need to understand that and we need Mm. to to speak out about how we feel about that and, yeah. and what should how we sh- what what should it look like to use American power and influence there and is this going to get us to to a better world right. for anybody? Uh, what I keep saying is that nothing that Hamas did on October seventh made Palestine freer, mm. and nothing that's happened in Israel's response in Gaza since then has made Israel or any of us safer or more secure. Mm. Um, this still has the potential to to spell into a much larger regional yeah. conflict. This um, you know. And we are creating more extremism by all the mass deaths that we're seeing right now in yeah. Gaza. And all these things are counterproductive. So we need to we need to own that and we need to, to, to learn to speak out and speak about it in ways that still hold together the humanity of all the people there. Yeah. And that the answer is not a zero sum answer. Right. It's uh, it's not an answer where one person. One group uh, has rights and privileges the other doesn't have. It's not about expelling anybody from the land. It's yeah. about creating a more fair and just and equitable system. And again, we have a role. And then there's the Christian angle on this because some many of your uh, listeners I, I know are Christian. Yeah. And the you know the the church began there, and right. the Palestinian Christian community are the inheritors of a church that goes back to the first century. Yeah. I can't see how Christianity survives this war in Gaza. There were uh, less than a thousand Christians still living in Gaza when the war began mm. uh, in one and worshiping in one of the oldest churches in continuously in Christianity in Gaza City and I don't see how they survive um, as a community I, I m- many immigrated immediately when they because they had dual citizenship and they were oh. able to a couple hundred were able to get out right away um, and some have been killed in, in bombings at the church and in other ways there and uh, since since uh, October 8th um, and I don't I just don't understand so the church has its own own sure. kind of connection to this place, we need to understand and be responsible for speaking out and and and, and being a voice for those. Yeah. And at the same time, the church has a real opportunity and obligation to live into its calling to be peacemakers. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I love about peacemaking is the the definition I've been using for the last few years is that peacemaking is the way we pursue justice in the world that is oriented toward healing and repair. So 
often when we think about peace and peacemaking, it sounds very unserious. You know, people who are talk about I'm for peace, they also sure. like rainbows and unicorns and <laughs> it's not serious, right? It's the seriousness is the fact you there's a there's a this principle that connects peace and justice. So we so that's that's really critical. But it's also possible to be for, you know, for justice. Yeah. In ways that uh, that work out as an injustice for someone else or the right. ways that don't have an oriented vision toward a world made more whole. Yeah. And so it's tying all those pieces together. Yeah. And so I think if people uh, uh, of, you know, of people of faith and no faith at all who want to step into this moment and really pursue the work of peacemaking, which, again, is call is is working against injustice uh-huh. and working for a world more just and whole more repaired yeah. with that vision always in mind that's what we need right now and yeah. it's really the time for christians in particular to step into that space because it's it is a very neglected aspect of christian wow. discipleship in the american church wow. um if when it's done at all it's and it's it's sure. barely something that we talk about yeah you know i um God, this has been so good. I And so, I, again, I just, I've asked you to do a second episode with me. So I appreciate uh, you doing that only because what I, what I, um, I feel like I want to allow is the listeners of the podcast or people that follow me on Instagram that, that have questions, um, to be able to ask those questions to you again, to be able to have a conversation, to be able to, um, not just, uh, lay out what we've laid out today. But if people are like, well, but I don't understand this Todd or what, what, what about this already for me, just to let, you know, listening to understand, um, some points of view that I wasn't even on board with that, that you have laid out a little bit. And I'm like, well, wait a second. If I call for ceasefire, like, so, so already like, like just so you know where my mind went is like, well, if, if I do that, um, am I, I think initially before this conversation, I was like, well, that's just Israel giving up. That's just them saying Hamas, you have won. But now let me just tell the listeners where my, my brain and heart is gone. It's like, Actually, that's actually going to make Israel safer um, and make the Israeli Israelis that are living close to the border a lot safer than they're probably have ever existed in. Um, and so, like, I'm learning, right? I'm hearing and I'm learning and I want to allow other people to be able to ask some questions to you uh, that maybe can get them to understand some parts of this as well. I think I, I so appreciate you saying that. Um it's it's a learning journey for all of us. Yeah. I'm still on one, so I thought I, I have all the answers. Yeah. Um, on this or anything else, but I think uh, the more that we can open ourselves up to the learning journey and yeah. to allowing ourselves to be transformed, and yeah. then to see ourselves as the having the potential to be participant in transformation in the world. Yeah. Um, the the better shot we have of bringing about the change that we want to see in the yeah. world. Yeah. Well, that's, that's so good. So, um, this isn't goodbye. This is, this is, we will see you next week, actually, Todd, when, uh, I get to have my Insta Familia and my Carlos Whitaker podcast listeners, um, that have questions come with some of those questions. So we will be back with Todd again, but thank you for the conversation you gave us today. Thank you. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Carlos Whitaker podcast listeners, uh, for listening to understand today uh, in something that is very important to all of us. Uh, I'm going to continue over the next few months to lean into uh, conversations that can help us understand what peace could look like uh, there. And that, that's what I want. I want, uh, I want peace. And 
you know, I, um, I know that people have different opinions as to how to get there. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to hear from a lot of different, I'm going to continue to listen to a lot of different perspectives on how to get there. Um, but I just want to say thank you for, um, listening, for sharing. Um, this is an important conversation that, you know, as, as tired as people may be of, um, this conversation, I, I just, I don't think we can get tired of it because of the impact of children and women and men over there consistently and currently happening. People are still dying. And so I think it's important that we keep leaning in and, and learning. And this is going to be a safe space to do that. So thank you, friends. Thank you, uh, Todd. If you have any questions for Todd, please email Whitney at carloswhitaker.com. And um, we may or may not have Todd back on if there's enough questions uh, that you may have. Um, you know, Todd, uh, I, I just I love that he comes from a um, conservative political side here in America where he worked in that arena for a long time, um, which just goes to show that people on the left and on the right uh, can all go seeking after peace as well. So thank you, Todd. Um, thank you. Now, I think we need a little Dr. Delight. Dr. Delight, come on back. Oh, okay. As Dr. Delight comes in, let me explain once again how important it is after this baseline drops that you go into the show notes and click on the listener survey. So important. Please do that for me. Um, it's going to be really helpful. I promise I'm doing it so I can know who you are and what it is that you need. <sighs> that was a, that was a heavy one. It was a heavy one. And I appreciate all of you leaning into the conversation. Friends, we've got another episode coming next Thursday. Let your friends, your family know. Share this episode, uh, like the episode, follow the episode, review um, the podcast, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And we will see you next week on another episode of the Carlos Whitaker Podcast.